good news everyone talking futurama is coming back for talking futurama season two part two fresher than a summer ham this podcast comes every friday and if you sign up at the five dollar level at patreon.com slash talking simpsons you can hear each episode as it goes live that's right sign up today at patreon.com slash talking simpsons for five dollars to hear talking futurama every friday throughout the rest of 2020 and also all the previous episodes we've done so far so head over to patreon.com slash talking simpsons now or we're gonna clamp you shut up and take my money i heartily endorse this event or product Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons, home of the Joan Collins special. I am your host, Area Code Camp Counselor Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of the Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? Hey, it's Henry Gilbert coming to you from Yahoo Search Engine Arena. And who do we have on the line? Dave Schilling. And today's episode is A Tale of Two Springfields. Great idea. Then we should call a doctor about this. How did the Badger do that without ripping your shirt? What am I, a tailor? Today's episode aired on November 5th, 2000, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. (gasps) Oh my god! Oh boy, Bobby! The Simpsons airs its 250th episode, Charlie's Angels beats the legend of Bagger Vance at the box office, and this is the final Sunday before the Bush Gore election. And that um, explains the uh, the chalkboard gag. That's right. Yeah, subliminal messagores. Yeah, it, uh, we're recording this uh, not too long after the twenty the election 20 years after that. Well, I hear it's still being decided. Yes, yeah. It's... <laughs> Allegedly. Uh, it's interesting to me that there's this, this chalkboard gag is a pro-gore one because this is written by John Schwartzwelder, who everyone now is like, oh, I don't like him because he's a libertarian. <laughs> Well, I'm sure he just dropped the script off on, in his giant Cadillac. I think uh, Matt Selman is the one who wrote the opening uh, gag, and he said on the commentary, we were all very smug about that oh, chalkboard yeah. gag. Yep, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, in 2000, yeah, it was. We all thought. We all thought. I've Listeners have heard me say many a time how my first election I voted in was in Florida in that election. So, uh, and I, the subliminal Messagore worked on me. I did vote for Al Gore. Had a lot of good that did, but... <laughs> And you mentioned Charlie's Angels. That's the first one, right? Yes, the um, G-directed Drew Barrymore, Lucy Liu, uh, and uh, Charlie's Theron. Yeah, no. no uh, wait, not her. No, it was... Uh, Cameron Diaz. Cameron Diaz, thank you. Yes. It starts with a C. There you She's go. Blonde. What are you? It's basically the same lady. Yeah. But can you can you believe that like one of the final movies ever to exist was the reboot that no one really cared about? Oh, right. With yeah, Kristen Stewart and right. uh, yeah, Mumbly Joe and What's Your Face. It kind of just came and went. That's right. The final movie can you imagine if that was the final movie i think onward was the final movie actually yeah well that was the last movie i saw in theaters i saw sonic the hedgehog it was great Uh, (laughs) uh, i mean i did see sonic the hedgehog but then i saw onward and uh seeing that at the start of march i was like yeah boy it sounds crazy in those other countries but i guess i'll still be able to see movies uh and of course the legend of bagger vance the real robert redford classic there his legend uh, lives on yeah uh, it's been mocked many times i think uh Chappelle show had a pretty good joke about it, as i recall but uh, i mean if you're if you're will smith and who's constantly in search of an oscar like his best actor oscar which he still hasn't gotten you you'd say yes to a movie with robert redford like that kind of sheen you You'll, you'll get that Oscar right, but he 
Uh, Will Smith still still didn't get it. Did you realize, and I had no idea until we're talking about this now, that Bagger Vance is based on the Bhagavad Gita? Uh, sorry if I said that incorrectly. The sacred te- text of the Hindu religion. No, I, what? Bagger Vance, wow. Bhagav, oh. ba- sorry, ba- Bhagavad Gita. Wow. is the sacred text. It's hard for me to say, but uh, I, I apologize that. for stumbling over that. So yeah, that it's a retelling via golf, oh, via a story boy. of golfing. Boy, so it's it's like double cultural appropriation. It's yes. like, wow. Apologies man. to our Hindu friends out there for Jeez. stumbling over that sacred text name, but uh, yes. Uh, but yeah, hey, welcome back to Dave Schilling onto the show. Thank you for coming on. Hey guys, uh, thank you again for having me. You know, I love talking about The Simpsons, especially John Swartzwelder episodes. Uh, I still think he's my favorite Simpsons writer, not including any of The Simpsons writers that I know personally. (laughs) And you are the host of a full court chat, of course. Yes, I still am. I haven't fired myself yet. Mm. (laughs) Uh, And also, uh, I might be over by the time this uh, podcast came out, but you also just did a a Mandalorian uh, podcast as well. Yeah, so I'm hosting a Mandalorian recap podcast for Starburns Audio. It's me and the CEO of Starburns Audio, which is funny to be hosting a podcast with someone who is ostensibly your boss. (laughs) But he likes my work, so I I think you'll all like my work too. You should tune in if you watch that show, subscribe, and all those things that people tell you to do about a podcast. Uh, Yeah, this is uh, your your first one was a John Swartzwelder episode and this one too. And this is this is quite a fun, wacky John Swartzwelder episode for sure. And yeah, uh, there there are moments where I truly am taken out of the reality of the episode uh and nothing makes sense. uh, And we'll get to that, I'm sure you guys probably have in mind what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. It is it is one of my favorite ones of this era, despite the the who, which I have no connection to. There's just so many good gags and a lot of things I was quoting a lot with my friends around this time. I do recall when this episode first aired, they were promoting it as the 250th. And I think it was a time where it didn't hit as good as like the 200th felt like a celebration again. But 250, I was like, eh, I'm, I'm getting older. Things <laughs> feel different now. It, uh, I think I think it was when the 300th one came out. That's when I was like, this is I, I was getting more cynical about the anniversary. It's then. like, God, it's 2003 already. Yeah. How much longer will I live? <laughs> Yeah, it's so weird that this sh- this came out in 2000. The show has already been on for 12 years, and it's been on again in another 20 years. Mm. It just keeps going. Uh, as it stands currently, I did the math on it. So they, at the time of this recording, they only are renewed for the current season. So they are only assured the episodes that will be full for season 32. That is 22 episodes. The math brings it to... If the show has no more episodes after season 32, which I highly doubt, but that's 713 episodes. So it is close to being this as the one third mark of (laughs) Simpsons episodes, not half anymore. One third. We made it. Yeah. Al Jean, uh, he beat Gunsmoke. He still needs to beat One Piece. I think that should be his new goal. (laughs) One Piece is never going to stop though. Oh, and uh, they, they, as long as that manga is going and that's like going to be another, like, I bet they get to a thousand to 1200 episodes. I think so. The, the manga creator says it's almost over, but, uh, he said, he said that before, (laughs) hasn't he? It's true. 
true. But uh, we have a new director to talk about yeah. really briefly here. He only directed one episode, so the director is uh, Sean Cashman. He's actually on the commentary for this. So he was a character layout artist on the show from 1993's The Last Temptation of Homer to 1998's Simpson Tide, Man. and was also an assistant director on the show off and on between seasons 8 and 10. And he left to work on King of the Hill's third season, and he mm. would uh, end up directing nine episodes of that. So it seems like uh, he wasn't busy on King of the Hill, and they needed a director. He was in the film Roman machinery, mm. and they and he did work on The Simpsons, so they just dropped him in for this one. He did a great job, I think. Yeah, you know, it's a weird, it's a weird choice for what ended up being like a landmark episode and functionally the season premiere treehouse aired on a wednesday this is the second episode of 12 but this was promoted like it was a season premiere in the sunday slot so to give that to like a first-time director who it's his only sole directing credit on the simpsons but i think it is that it's late in the production of season 11 and this was a holdover so like we have an open slot we need a director and and when he's been like an, an ad to pete michaels and neil aflack like it's he's he's pretty well established i could tell from uh stalking his linkedin that he was <laughs> he did a whole decade in advertising before uh, before going to film roman so he was a very established artist already at that point point. and then after king of the hill he did a lot of uh episodes of the grim adventures of billy and mandy and chowder for cartoon mm. network and his most recent thing that he's done so far was a uh, 2020s happy halloween scooby-doo doing animation timing on that oh, okay oh i love one i haven't seen that one i've, I've i watched... haven't either i was just kidding oh all right <laughs> I, I was gonna say like how did it take like 50 years of scooby-doo before there was something called happy halloween scooby-doo it took yeah. 50 years before something was named that <laughs> i'm sure there were episodes set during halloween for scooby-doo but yeah never never an official just scooby-doo halloween special that that's it is strange that took 50 whole years yeah i, I don't understand why there's a scooby-doo for israeli independence day but not for halloween <laughs> yeah charlie brown never got to that uh, yeah <laughs> happy israeli independence day charlie brown is my favorite special it's armistice day charlie brown <laughs> uh, uh, and, and, anyway and uh, apparently this is like partially inspired by the los angeles area code change that happened around yeah. the time of writing actually this was breaking news uh oh. hot off the presses in my neck of the woods because in uh, northeast ohio on october 30th 2000 a week before this episode aired we got the area code split too Whoa. so uh 216 was cleveland and below that was 330 and my phone is still 330 try every number you'll get me eventually 330 <laughs> this also happened in my hometown i grew up in merced california and most of the central valley was 209 and then they created the 559 area code for fresno and that was a big deal i uh in in my uh area of northern florida it also happened growing up but I was on the opposite end. We got to keep our area code, but I still had to dial the area code for all the old, for all the new numbers that were there. Like yeah. a lot of the people in this episode, I did feel like my world had changed. We had, <laughs> were a year before 9-11, so I wouldn't even know what would happen next. But just like, I got to dial three more numbers before I call somebody. That's so much extra work. <laughs> well, wait, so the thing in Youngstown, is it that there actually were more people in Youngstown now? I thought they were losing people. Well, the or... 216 area code was like Cleveland and then like towns like uh, Youngstown and Warren and things around it but they're like Cleveland can just get its own area code now uh, I see. and uh, now now that area is like a third less populated since I left there 10 years ago so uh, 
and it see it also sounds uh, drawn along class lines just like uh, just like in this episode oh speaking of class lines so uh when they were getting into this episode mike scully liked the idea but he was like all right we're not gonna do snobs versus slobs and that's literally what they do <laughs> to the point where characters even say slobs versus snobs in the episode so yeah, yeah. <laughs> he admits that was a failure uh, on his part i i mean it's the natural direction of the story like why why fight it like especially like what else are you gonna do with the story so just forget it just go with go with slobs versus snobs it's a tried and true uh storyline you can do it in, in, in pretty much all american comedy does it at one point or another i do appreciate that the slobs are completely uh, incompetent though mm-hmm. because it's homer running the show it's not like animal house or stripes or something where they figure it out at the end. Homer is just a horrible mayor. He doesn't know how to run his town. And everybody leaves. Like, that's perfect. That's exactly how it should go. Within what is seemingly less than a month, he starves them all and is telling them to eat their pets. So, yeah, it's, uh, I, <laughs> Don't forget about the sewer. Oh, yes. The, yeah. the sewage <laughs> that will wipe most of them out. Uh, and, you know, I, I will say I was a casual enjoyer of The Who. I'd never say I was a super fan of them, but I, I liked him as much, like not just hearing him on an oldie station, but also like once Napster came around and around when this, uh, I think, partially thanks to this episode and also i i believe there was an episode of freaks and geeks that was like all who songs that's that's when i was like you know what i'll burn him to some cds i'll listen to a few a few who songs and they're fun they're it, a fun rock, rock and dad band yeah it definitely reminds me of my dad like fixing the engine in our car or something <laughs> like him wearing a, a tank top around the house uh, and starting to remind himself of how happy he used to be. That's <laughs> what I'm reminded of with the Who. So not not. I guess those are fun memories. I don't know. Not yeah. for him, but they are for me. It reminds me of my stepdad, and I was subjected to just the classic rock station every time we got, went on a car ride. So uh, I've had enough. Uh, <laughs> I've had my fill. That's fine. I like my own kind of music, but I can respect this. I guess. I guess now our songs from the year 2000 are the dad rock of, uh, or like Death Cab for Cutie is dad rock now. That's yeah, true. based on the time frames, people would consider the strokes or something like that a thing for dads or a thing for old people. Oh, for um, sure. Yeah. That said, most of the people I know who are my age are not fathers yet or <laughs> are mothers yet. So uh, it's probably fine. You know, it's probably still cool. I guess if you're childless, but... you, it's not dad rock then if you're child. <laughs> Yeah, just so many people in my generation don't have kids yet. At least, you know, in Los Angeles where I live, um, you know, people that I know are, are, are still bachelors and whatnot. I was just thinking that uh, we'll get we'll talk more about it later. But the who in this episode is drawn as if they are living in 1976, which is weird. And I still don't get it. It's kind of strange. But like it just made me think like Weezer was just on the show. That's the same thing as if they drew Weezer as if they were like just releasing Pinkerton in 1996. Yeah. Like wow. that, what a weird yeah. choice that is. But they no, they well, drew Weezer as I'm if they're all like 53 year old men as they are now. I'm sure that the who asked for their characters to look cool are you telling me rock stars have egos is that what this is all about <laughs> sadly uh, yes uh i i think back to the homer palooza episode mm-hmm. and uh smashing pumpkins they don't look like they actually look in real life even though they you know they're young in the, at that point still they're, they're idealized versions of who what they're supposed to look like 
what they actually look like. It's true, but they turn back the clock to the point where Keith Moon exists yeah. at the end of the last scene. <laughs> so uh, well, I'm sure he would have loved to have been on The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it I, was his it was his dream. Uh, and and all of them have different. Well, I mean, uh, Roger Daltrey is drawn to be like a superhero. Like he has a he has the body of Captain America. <laughs> Enjoying the Strokes made me feel old when I saw them do an appearance at a Bernie rally because I thought like, wow, that's so cool. They're they're at the Bernie Sanders rally. I can cheer on the Strokes and they're, they're so cool and i was like wait they're in their late 30s just like me like this isn't cool or that we're the old people at the we're like the bands <laughs> from the 70s who showed up at like anti-iraq war things in in 2002 and all the dads are like see son that's the strokes yeah <laughs> daddy loves them <laughs> i was gonna say it's more like when fleetwood mac played uh at the democratic uh, or at bill clinton's inauguration for sure yeah like, that's yeah. it's the same sort of time frame of like oh this was cool 20 years ago <laughs> but now they're you know we're all sort of part of the the, the generation that's in control Though it was pretty cool to see the Strokes sing New York City Cops while like um, ignoring cops on stage in New York <laughs> City, that was fun. But uh, so yeah, on the uh, on the DVD, I did want to mention too, they have a hidden thing, but it's just a promotional poster they drew for the episode, and it's a parody of the cover for whose album the Kids Are All Right, which is all of them like using the uh, Union Jack as a blanket laying together and Homer replaces Keith Moon in the uh, in the picture respectful so, yeah yeah that's, that's that's how it should be <laughs> and uh, they do have Roger Daltrey on the commentary I will say uh, but he's like uh, he, it's pre-recorded that he just did like here's two minutes of what I remember from this there's though there's a sad moment right at the start where he's like oh it's sad to hear John Entwistle talking again because he had like he'd been dead like six years at the time he recorded it I also I so we do a chalkboard gag about the election, but then the couch gag's just a fart. And I totally forgot they just did one like Homer farts. That's well, it. Well, it's a whoopee cushion, right? Oh, right. Yeah. Right, okay. But it's still kind of like, you know, not really interesting. <laughs> not that, not their most clever For one. 250, just wheel out the circus opening again. Yeah. You need up some time that way, right? They just didn't care. I, that's fine. I mean, I get it. <laughs> this is this is an episode that I believe you guys said was a holdover from season eleven. Yes, yeah. I mean, they just were like, eh, "Who's going to watch this? The election, you know? Who's going to watch this? People don't care." Uh, and uh, so then we get a very wild first act with a badger appearing. I, I when I think of crazy first acts on The Simpsons, I often do think of the badger that attacks the family for five minutes. I like yeah. when it is just shoot away, like we're done with you now. This That's... this this act one story is over. Get out of here. Yeah, the way that he moves on from that is funny to me because it's self-referential and kind of Mm self-mocking because the Simpsons hadn't quite been doing that kind of like first act, here's a thing, and then we're going to go another direction quite as much at at that point. But now it really is a thing where people are like, oh, God, what is why they're just they're just killing time. This episode isn't about this. We know that. So Uh, it's funny that they were already making fun of it 20 years ago. And I I think this one is like posed almost like it's a Tex Avery short that that precedes the actual episode, especially like in the beginning where Bart uh, offers up the dog food dish and it just gets bitten like that. That just is a gag from like a droopy cartoon, you know, and uh, and same with like poor poor santa's little helper just getting shoved into there like bart wants to bart tries to kill a lot of animals in this opening it's it's uh it's sociopathic behavior at certain points it's disturbing i don't like to see it uh well i know there's one you're especially yeah. not a fan of bob but 
Homer getting his stomach ripped open is a a joke that I just don't think is funny. I can't stand it. I uh, but 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 first, yeah. Let me uh, first. Bart has to learn what badgers eat in in our first clip. Come on, Lee. There's got to be a way to lure that badger out. Well, according to WhatBadgersEat.com. Badgers subsist primarily on a diet of stoats, voles, and marmots. Hmm, stoats, stoats. Stoats are weasels, Bart. They don't come in cans. Then what's this? That says corn, Bart. (laughs) Must you embarrass me? Here we are. In a pinch, badgers have even been known to eat woodpeckers. Perfect. Hey, Todd, can we borrow your woodpecker? I guess so. But we need him back by six. It's his birthday. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> I choose to believe that Woodpecker was fine afterwards. Yeah, he, he does fly away. We didn't see but, him die on screen, uh, but it's too, uh, too adorable for me. It is time for the Everybody Hates Birds jingle, though. Everybody hates birds. It's true. Right? As, as everyone knows, when there's bird violence on here, we have to mark it with the Everybody Hates Birds jingle. That woodpecker is adorable. Oh, man, the way he draws them with the, uh, the, the, drum with the party hat on, it's so sweet. He's, he's going to enjoy his birthday. Bar- Bart's going to kill this bird on his birthday. Take Todd's... I swear the original script must have had the bird die in that, in that thing, and they, they changed their mind. I think I feel so bad for Todd. That, like, I mean, his bird, even if not dead, it needs to get to the vet right yeah, now. Yeah, this, this birthday party is not going on as planned. It's better to die than to suffer, don't you think? <laughs> sure, yeah. And we all do suffer, even birds. <laughs> I also uh, feel like this marks the year 2000 for the show, too, that like they can write a scene now where Lisa has a laptop that goes on the internet yeah. and has an answer to a problem. Like There's, yeah, there's a reference to Yahoo, uh, the yeah. arena at which the, the Who are playing is the Yahoo search engine arena. And, and like the idea that there could be a website called whatbadgerseat.com like that, that is a very 2000s idea too i went to the actual website back in the day because it was real uh fox made a mock-up of one i think matt selman and tim long wrote the copy for it but it was like a very simple website it's no longer up you just get redirected to fox.com but Uh, i the second they said that on the show i went to the computer and typed it in and it wasn't some redirect to a porn site or whatever it was real (laughs) that's smart on on fox i mean we've heard many conan o'brien did a whole bit uh about was it manatee sex or it was he had they made up a joke website but they had to own it because you can't just say a website name in uh in an american uh, comedy show and not have it go to a thing you own you're you're just asking for trouble so are we are we saying that fox continues to renew the domain name for whatpadgerseat.com 20 years later they that's must. insane yeah. wow <laughs> I mean, if you check That's like dedication. if you check like the what is or whatever on that, you can fi- probably find out like when it's renewed to, and you can squat on it. You gotta you gotta poach it. Ooh, I might have to. That would be really sneaky, and then they have to pay me for it because I'm gonna redirect it to you know something crazy like 4chan. <laughs> I uh, I did see that some somebody web archived the what badgers eat, but the version I went to it's like half broken. It's uh, they they did I I could see they wrote a page that said exactly what lisa says like it says here and then on the web page it says 
in a pinch they'll eat a woodpecker or whatever the exact line is but and i wanted to take uh there's there was also an adobe flash powered quiz on that site but it's it wasn't working in the web archive if i recall correctly it was a very flashy website uh yeah yeah well that was i mean what could be cooler in the year 2000 than a website covered in flash stuff every time i turn on my computer now it's like listen you gotta uninstall flash yeah you're not getting shit (laughs) this has gotta go The Simpsons will be right back. One night only. How you doing out there? It's a little chilly. Get ready to rock. Get me just daddy's in the who. The Simpsons season premiere with the who. Sunday, November 5th on Fox. Whether you're a slob or a snob, we hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. And a big thank you to our guest, Dave Schilling. Please follow him on Twitter and check out all his cool podcasts. Great guest as always. Thank you very much, Dave. And if you're a fan of this podcast, let me suggest please signing up at our Patreon to help me and Bob do this as our full-time jobs. It's thanks to supporters on Patreon that me and Bob are able to do Talking Simpsons full-time as our real jobs. And the same for our sister podcast, which we publish weekly. What a cartoon podcast, which if you haven't listened yet, you should definitely check out. And for that $5 a month of support, you not only get to know you support us, but you also get a ton of exclusive podcasts you are not going to hear on the free feed. Ones like upcoming miniseries, Talk King of the Hill, where we're going to be covering the first half of the second season of King of the Hill. And that's in addition to all of the previous miniseries we've done, over 80 episodes of them and don't forget now every month you're going to get an episode of talking futurama as a five dollar exclusive too so please sign up at patreon.com slash talking simpsons to get access to so many cool exclusive podcasts And if you want something even snazzier than a gift certificate to the Just Chloroform store, you need to sign up at the $10 level for premium podcasts at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. You get all that $5 stuff I just talked about. Dozens and dozens and dozens of podcasts. And then you get our monthly What a Cartoon movie podcast where me and Bob go the extra mile and cover a feature film in the same Talking Simpsons style. Upcoming ones include the DuckTales movie, the Ghibli classic Whisper of the Heart, Dexter's Lab, Ego Trip, and so, so many more. You should sign up at the $10 level to get over 100 hours of exclusive What a Cartoon movie podcast for your enjoyment. So please check out the $10 level at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. learned what a stoat was from this too like uh, oh not me i was reading the red wall series of fantasy novels starring oh. animals and there were plenty of stoats and badgers <laughs> so you know it's funny that's this is one of these ones where you did a nerdier thing than i did <laughs> <laughs>
the bird doesn't die on screen at least then homer thinks that they're looking at a doghouse just because the tv is broken and uh homer i think it's a new level of stupidness here he's like badger my ass it's probably millhouse millhouse like very stupid before i say how much i hate the joke that comes after this mm. i do like the animation of just homer suffering as his legs and arm wiggle as he's being mauled i did like that it's very good but Dave, you're right. A very, I'd say it's a very family guy joke. The Homer pulling up his shirt to reveal an incredibly accurate drawing of his internal organs. Well, my problem with, with this is, is it's not a joke. It doesn't really surprise you in any way. It's just like, oh, look, that here's this gross thing that we drew. You know, it's. I think it's, like you said, very funny when he's inside of the doghouse and he's getting mauled and like the way his little legs twitch and stuff. And Homer's reaction to being physically assaulted is always amusing to me. Mm. But then the visual aspect of it just leaves me cold because it doesn't yeah. really, There's not, it's not saying anything. It's just a visual for the sake of a visual and i agree that's very very family guy-esque yeah i think i mean so like bart the daredevil was uh 10 years before this i think it's a heightening of that gag where instead of it instead of cartoon violence it's very realistic and shocking mm -hmm. violence but it is it is like not as funny because that's not really the point and yeah, homer, yeah. homer kind of waves it away it's so far outside of reality and granted this is the simpsons and the mm. simpsons often especially in schwarzwalder episodes veers towards the uh, outrageous uh even though it is the simpsons it's there's still a certain amount of grounded comedy that you expect from the show and so when it goes into this direction where it's truly just you know physically uh, bizarre and there's no aftermath to yeah. what's happened you just see yeah. it and it just we move past it then it's so unmoored from reality that you can't laugh at it to me yeah you're right like in bart the daredevil it's real to the point where homer needs to be hospitalized yeah, and carried exactly. away they really commit uh, to that gag well even presentationally like say okay in one of the uh best bits opening cartoon bits of homer that i think of is his tramapoline that does have him do a wily e. coyote scene but that is it's its own scene that's just like and now the wily e. coyote scene is over it's but it's not homer in his backyard with all of his organs exposed and i think too like they make such a distinction usually between this is a tree house and this isn't a tree house and like next year in a tree house they'll do basically the same joke except a little better of homer homer saying oh i'm fine after defeating the house like he, right. and he then it shows part of his brain is exposed <laughs> i think that one yeah. worked a little better a little bit yeah. yeah but uh yes so homer homer walks away and he's seemingly fine too it's that kind of joke too and then there's one other joke in here that i'm like in a treehouse this is good and this it's it's a little too crazy uh but yes uh, homer is gonna call animal control your call cannot be completed as dialed Please make sure you have the correct area code. Area code? But it's a local call. The phone company ran out of numbers, so they split the city into two area codes. Half the town keeps the old 636 area code, and our half gets 939. 939? What the hell is that? <laughs> oh, my life is ruined. Jeez, you just have to remember three extra numbers. Oh, if only it were that easy, Mike. <laughs> no way, we got bigger problems now. <laughs> I'm not going to stand for this. I'm going to call the newspapers, the TV stations, the gas stations. Everybody! 
I I think in the Scully years, Homer falls into a ball, curls up into a ball more often than any other era of The Simpsons. I I love when he's uh, not just stupid, but stressed out and, and anxious and <laughs> excitable like this. It's it's very funny to me when when they put him through the ringer emotionally. His his stupidity is what's causing him to be more upset because he can't his brain cannot fathom learning new numbers and so it just leaves him like broken and desperate instantly. And uh, this is some interesting news here, folks. Uh, Six three six is East Central Missouri, oh. and nine three nine is Puerto Rico. Oh well. So hey. there you have it. Uh, they so are... Springfield could be in Puerto Rico. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, that would explain a lot of things, but then it wouldn't explain some other things. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Like you know, snow. There is the yeah. There's a lot of ocean in that treehouse we just did with the the dolphins. That makes more sense if you're on an island. But uh, uh, well, I also this was a, a a gag I just got that six three six is basically nine three nine upside down. So they flipped right. them over. I did. You just got that right now. I I'm not very smart. I guess <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> That's what makes the change not significant at all. Yeah. Uh, and yes, uh, Homer Homer dumping the badger is pretty great. Just literally waves him away. Uh, I, I do think it's funny that the badger... The badger comes back actually twice. I thought it was just at the end, but there's one other moment with the badger. That I <laughs> right. Uh, the badger escapes when everybody else leaves Old Springfield, I believe. Yes, yeah. And I, I, I did a smidge of research before recording on the Simpsons wiki for this episode. Mm-hmm. And it says that... In Ireland, on Sky One, all of the Badger scenes, save for the first one, are cut out when it airs in syndication. What? That's crazy. Why is is the Badger the national animal of Ireland? <laughs> is it is it insulting to Badgers? I that's they don't crazy. like Badger on Badger violence. No, they don't. <laughs> they don't appreciate human beings being mauled. They don't like any mm. of that stuff. Ireland is a peaceful nation full of kind, sweet, reasonable people who don't have a drinking problem. And so, love badgers. Love badgers. So let's just, you know, respect them and their differences from us. Uh, and then in the next scene, I think comes uh, maybe the most enduring joke from this episode. Oh, the, uh, yeah. Homer, Homer writing on his hand that he does not know who Lenny and Carl is unless he writes on his hand, Lenny White, Carl Black. It, it is maybe too much, but I love the ADR joke. Is that right? Like just him uh, muttering to himself. Dan's delivery is good. And once Homer has that sorted out, he, he asks Lenny and Carl their opinion. I hate this new area code. Like I don't have enough to remember already. Is that right? <laughs> don't you miss the old 636, Carl? I'm not sure which one's better. The six is closer to the three, so you got convenience there. But the nine has less to do with Satan, which is a plus in this religious world of ours. What really burns me up is they didn't give us one word of warning. What do you mean? They ran those TV commercials about it and that big radio campaign. Don't forget the leaflets they dropped from the space shuttle and the two weeks we all spent at Area Code Camp. Not a single word of warning. Oh, man, I just love the idea of Area Code Camp. (laughs) Uh, Did Homer skip it, or do you think he just didn't remember anything? I think he just forgot. (laughs) He was probably drunk. He was probably at Moe's, just getting hammered on on lukewarm beer. This is like the most successful government rollout of a program ever. (laughs) It's like the best funded. God. Yeah, can we get Mayor Quimby to run our COVID-19 response? Uh. Sounds pretty good. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's way better than that Cuomo guy. I also I love the idea of like they drop leaflets from a space shuttle, not from not from <laughs> even a balloon or a plane of space shuttle. That almost feels like an 
anti Schwarzwelder joke that's put in there. Because it, it, it's about, you know, uh, Schwarzwelder, not a fan of uh, big government and doing all these things. So that a uh, joke about Homer basically being the Schwarzwelder type is huh. like, they didn't do anything for us. But what about all this stuff? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> There's sometimes definitely in Schwarzwelder scripts that I feel like they put in a joke at Schwarzwelder's expense into his script. Uh, and then we get a return of Bill and Marty. I, uh, I think uh, this is the most Bill and Marty have looked like me and you, Bob, it's in true. the show. I Although, think. like, Bill, they gave him uh, black hair in this scene. It feels like a yeah. mistake to me. His hair color and sometimes even skin color are all over the place. That is true, yeah. He, he changes races often. <laughs> yeah. What I like, too, is that they are enjoying being disc jockeys. When they play a sound effect, they are happy to do it. Like, when he plays the jingle, Bill is, like, dancing to it. Like, yeah, all right. <laughs> Uh, are they usually depressed? I, I don't remember these guys well enough. I know that they are, exist, but are they usually miserable being disc jockeys? Well, definitely like in the uh, in the Valentine's Day one where they keep playing Monster Mash, Marty is getting pretty tired of Bill. So I think uh, that, that tension now is in their past. Maybe they went on like a Club Med vacation and they have reconnected. <laughs> Uh, you know, maybe it was the stress of the elephant incident with Bart's elephant that made them go like, we're, we're united together. Like, let's not turn on each other anymore. We've been through so much. Yeah. Why, why would we uh, break up now? Uh, and, uh, but yes, they announced that, uh, they've got a contest and Homer just might win it. Time to give away free concert tickets. What you talking about? Whoa. What we're talking about, Gary, is the who? We're giving away tickets to next week's concert at Springfield's historic Yahoo Search Engine Arena. <gasps> the Who? I love bands. And now we'll dial our big winner at random. Dialing at random. Okay, let's start with five, five, five. <laughs> Zero, one, <laughs> one, and three. <gasps> That's my number. Ahoy, hoy. Hey. That's not me. Dad, we're not in area code anymore. <laughs> Congratulations, you're going to rendezvous with the Who. <laughs> it's not fair. I've been a fan of the Who since the very beginning, when they were the Hillbilly Bugger Boys. You should call that radio station and let him have it. Good idea. <laughs> you don't... <laughs> God, I will say it is really extreme when Homer uses a weapon to strangle Bart. I was like, this yes. might be too much. Uh, there's two too much moments. Actually, there's I think there's like five too much moments for Homer here. But yeah, it's it's so realistic. It's like out of a mob movie strangling Bart with the cord of a, of a phone. And, and this Bart doesn't bother me for some reason because <laughs> I am so uh, like desensitized to Homer strangling his his only son uh that i don't mind but there's something later this the the i won't spoil it but mm. that moment that ends the episode where i'm like okay homer simpson is a bad person <laughs> yes yeah i uh i do like them passing out together as bart bashes his head in with the phone like too. flipping it behind him <laughs> it's uh i i also love one that they got gary coleman back again and they uh, clearly, i don't think they got him back i think they just uh, paid him to use that from sure. the the episode <laughs> and uh but i also love uh right before that they do play dan doing an austin powers impersonation which really really marks the time there uh 
Well, and also, so Joan Collins, she had been married four times when this episode came out. She would be married a fifth time after I think she is still with the same uh, fifth husband. She's 87 years young and she's a dame and also a Thatcherite who thinks that uh, England is going downhill from Mm. certain types of people. So, uh, you know. You guys disagree? (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, I do love that the winner of the concert tickets is the person who would enjoy it the least. (laughs) That explains why he's there, though, later, I guess. I wondered why he was there. It's same. There's actually a couple good lines that set up a thing that seems random, like one that Burns is at the Who concert. It's like, well, he did win. And then Homer having dynamite in a couple scenes. It's uh, because Bart said he had dynamite to kill the badger oh, earlier in right. the episode. So, you're so right about that. Damn. Uh, I love Homer's reactions think- to of like the Who. I love bands. <laughs> I, I think I would have had um, Mole Man win the Who tickets instead. Because I just want to put Mole Man in everything. Well, I, I and have... he's conspicuous in his absence in this episode. <laughs> I You know, I have to celebrate their restraint, though, that they never did a joke about the Who... Yeah, I'm asking you. Who uh, is the ba- anything like that? They Oh, I would I mean, come on. This is the Simpsons we're talking about. These men went to Harvard. <laughs> well, Animaniacs beat them to the punch with that yeah. very good sketch. They did the best version of that sketch you could ever do. Okay, Dave, you're a sports person. You like sports. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, I do. What's the deal with arenas getting renamed with terrible names like Yahoo Search Engine Arena? It is a means to generate revenue. If you sell the naming rights to your arena, let's say your arena used to be called Chicago Stadium, mm-hmm. and you could you know, continue to call it that and make $0 from the name of the arena. That's fine. You can do that. Or you can sell the naming rights of your arena to a company like Yahoo or something, and they will pay you X number of millions of dollars every year to put their corporate branding on your arena, uh, force broadcast partners for the leagues to say the name over and over and over again putting the logo on the arena floor or on the you know the football field or whatever the sport is that's just advertising that's just getting people to think about your brand and now it's gotten so absurd that it's not just like staples center or the store staples now it's obscure strange services you might never use like vivant smart home arena in salt lake city have you ever heard of vivant smart homes i have never heard of that no exactly exactly I, just I, like insurance companies and you know companies that make or stained glass windows or like all kinds of silly things like that. I was just thinking that uh, I lived in Northeast Ohio and the the big arena there was called the uh, Gund Arena, which sounds like a disease, but it was named after the owner of the Cavs. And then it was changed to which I think is a funnier joke than Yahoo Search Engine Arena, Quicken Loans Arena. Oh, God. And you now know why I, it's Quicken Loans Arena because the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers, Dan Gilbert, owns Quicken Loans. That bastard. Uh, and now it's called the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse uh, at Quicken Loans Arena. Yeah, uh, and they've got t- two sponsorships. Uh, when when I got home, uh, when I would visit back home in Jacksonville, I would go like, "Oh, and you're going to the field," and they're like, "No, no, no, it's not that name anymore. Like, it's not the." telecom company that used to own it uh which man i can't even remember it was like i only hear of these things because i i am not much of a sports watcher but i am a pro wrestling watcher and so i never had heard of the smoothie king center until uh raw <laughs> orleans louisiana yeah. yeah i've been there we need classy names 
Sorry, we need classy names like the Cow Palace. Yeah, that's man, much that's better. Nice. Yes. They actually did sell cows there. My favorite <laughs> is the Giants, the San Francisco Giants Stadium. And when it opened, it was Pacific Bell Park. Right. Then it became SBC Park when SBC bought Pacific Bell. <laughs> then SBC was purchased by AT&T, and it became AT&T Park. Now, folks, it is Oracle Park. Oh, God. So it has been four different things in the last 20 years. That, that fits the spirit of San Francisco to sell out that often to have any, anyone who does. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Remove all uh, traces of culture. <laughs> uh, I, I also saw the another one I was looking up of like ridiculous names I had forgotten was the the KFC Yum Center. It's not just KFC. It's the It has to pull into Yum Brands. You can't forget all the delicious Yum Brands. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've never heard of a, an arena being named after the parent company. That's weird. Yeah. Because uh, nobody thinks about, oh, you know what? I love all my favorite Yum! brand restaurants like Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, KFC. I'm a huge Yum! brands fan. Let's get Pepsi in there. Aren't they part of Yum? Oh, yeah. yeah. They absolutely are part of Yum. That's why they are served exclusively at Taco Bell's, KFC's, and Pizza Hut's. Uh, and now a quick history on Simpsons phone numbers. Uh, so here we have 555-0113, which that's a good joke where Homer hears just 555 first, and he's like, ooh, boy, everyone in the Springfield has 555 as their number. Okay. Uh, but uh, a free few other ones the Simpsons have had, there's in Dog of Death on their Lost Dog sign, they have 555-3457. In Canine Mutiny, Bart writes down the number 5553126. And of course, we can't forget the phone number for Mr. Plow, which does call the Simpsons house, Klondike 53226. So that's that's just a few of the Simpsons phone numbers. Not not it's, consistent. Even though I know Simpsons writers, I don't know whether or not they have a, co a continuity department do they have someone who's sitting around in the in the office on the fox lot saying um i in this episode uh bart says that the phone number is this but we have established uh, that the phone number for the house is this like does anybody do that i think the internet is the continuity department i want to say like <laughs> and i think they hate that continuity yeah. department so <laughs> i want to believe like internally within the past five years simpsons writers are using frankie act like google a word like did, did we say bart was allergic to butterscotch type in oh yeah he is Let, let's not say he can eat butterscotch <laughs> I, I bet they Amazing. do that yeah i guess it's crowd crowdsourced uh continuity <laughs> and uh obviously the hillbilly bugger boys was not the first name for the who but they did have two previous uh band names the detours and the high numbers so mm. just to just to be fully accurate here uh and so time for the town meeting homer is uh pretty pissed off about it he came there wearing dynamite i love that when Lindsay Nagel recognizes him as wearing dynamite. He just does like a cute little nod. That's great. We uh, last year you could do a suicide vest joke. It's oh, the year two thousand, right? Yeah. Oh God. What kind of man wears armor hot dogs? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and also if you once you know the turn of slobs versus snobs, if you do look in the even from the first shot, the six three six section does have a bunch of characters you would think are as rich, either celebrities or professionals. I think they are creatively interpreting who is a snob and who is a slob in many cases. Like, why is Edna Krabappel on the rich side of town? You know what? Yeah. She's a teacher. She lives in a sad apartment. Yeah. Well, I think they wanted to, to pair her with Principal Skinner because at this point they were dating, correct? Mm. Yes. Yeah, that's true. They, they, they do go later to the concert and she is wearing 
one of the more revealing costumes I've seen on The Simpsons. Uh, and of course, Principal Skinner is dressed like Austin Powers. That's a real, it's a real season three throwback to get that horny with Edna designs. They haven't, they haven't drawn Edna that sexy in a while. Yeah. I was like, good Lord. I said to my girlfriend, I think I want to have sex with Mrs. Krabappel. <laughs> and she said, too bad. She's a cartoon. <laughs> and she's dead now. Uh, oh, Maybe. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> canonically she is dead yeah but this whole character the character this whole like uh phone movie set piece i love it so many quotable lines and uh amazing gags one of my lines coming up is like one of my favorite lines in the show period oh for sure here i'll i'll play our our time with phony mcring ring hi i'm phony mcring ring mascot and president of the telephone company and i'm here to explain why the convenience of one area code in your town <laughs> has been replaced by the convenience of two area codes. Uh, I have a question, Phony. It's a movie, Dad. Quiet, honey. Daddy's asking the man a question. You're probably thinking, sure, more area codes are great, and I don't mind paying the extra hidden fees. But how will I remember all those numbers? Whoa! Well, scientists have discovered that even monkeys can memorize ten numbers. Are you stupider than a monkey? How big of a monkey? (laughs) (laughs) Of course you're not. Uh... Well, I'm convinced. A professional-looking film like that has got to be right. Okay, so uh, how big of a monkey? I-, I love it so much. Not what kind of a monkey. Yeah. How big of a monkey? Bigness, the size is scalable to the intelligence. And Wiggum yeah. is skeptical as, as if he is not as smart as a monkey. Like, yeah. I'm, 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 you know, I'm going to judge this now. Like, he does let's... doubt himself. He's like, I don't know. Like, uh, it, 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 great delivery by his area of just like, how big of a monkey? Uh, the, the only, I do like Phony McRing Ring, though every time there's a short like this in the show i do think like this would be troy mcclure like every time i'm just like "Eh." oh well it's just you can't you can't help it phony mcring ring is a fun character to make up to be the host of these things that troy mcclure would have done yeah i also uh, noticed that lionel hutz is one of the characters fleeing at the end of the episode yeah that uh, toward episode that feels like it was a mistake yeah because they they normally would honor like he will never show up again but it's just weird to see him in the background mm-hmm. yeah i think it was probably just like yeah an animator didn't get the memo yet um i do love these institutional short films when they aren't lionel hutsey not because i don't are not lionel Hutz, but troy mcclure not that i don't love troy mcclure but there's something almost national lampoony about the way that they're kind of teasing the idea of the the institutional films that were so prevalent in America in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. Uh, That's not something people have anymore. We don't really have that that frame of reference anymore. So the baby boomer humor aspect of it is is amusing to me because I do love those references to how America kind of used to be. Mm -hmm. He's uh, definitely, he's, he's a cousin of uh, Springy the Elf, for sure. <laughs> yes, uh, absolutely. Oh, <laughs> man. Uh, and then Homer's line after that is, I accuse the phone company of making that film on purpose. Yeah. I think, I wish I could quote that more often or find a way to, like, reference that because, like, as someone who used to work in, like, media and someone who does stuff on Patreon now, I, I would always get the uh, the comment, like, you wrote that so someone would click on it. Well, it's like, yeah, that's my job. Or, like, you put that behind a paywall so someone would pay for it. And I'm like, yes, 
Give me your money. <laughs> give me your money. Please give me your money. One of my favorite jokes in the episode. Not my favorite. I'll tell you what my favorite is when we get to there. But yeah, it's just so funny and it's such a perfectly in-character gag. Uh, then Homer thinks it's the perfect tone of like, you made that on purpose. And they're like, yes, of course we did. And that upsets the whole audience. Like, uh, I, also, I like uh, the, the director doesn't get much space on the commentary because I mean this is the episode where they can brag about flying to London and recording with the who, which it's like, no one cares about what a cartoonist did in that kind of episode. But, uh, he, he has a few good points of like, wow, they actually drew extra jokes in there that I don't think that was in the script. Like when Homer stands up to speak, it is framed exactly like the Norman Rockwell painting, the classic one, the four freedoms, except it's a crazy person in uh, dynamite. Covered in dynamite. Yeah. Uh, and in this speech here, I too love to, like i think it's the I, I could see it being in Schwarzwelder script as well but the idea of like him putting his thumbs through <laughs> the tape on it like a, a big city lawyer would i love that kind of prescience to it mm. to to where we are today in terms of our political discourse homer simpson at a, at a town hall meeting with dynamite strapped to his chest uh giving this rousing speech about splitting up this town is sort of um where we are today with mm. that we talk to each other about politics Oh, man. Well, I'm thinking later the jokes about, like, uh, <laughs> trying to heal division and Homer answering that with violence. That was uh, They reported uh, those COVID stats on purpose. They did, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, yes, Homer realizes what this is really about. It seems to me that everyone who got to keep the old or classic 636 area code lives on the rich side of town. Dude, poppycock. Hi, never. <laughs> And as usual, we Joe 12-packs get the royal screw job. Homer's right. We're getting a Joan Collins special. <laughs> We're getting it for good. <laughs> well, I've had it. You rich snobs aren't pushing us around anymore. And what are you pathetic slobs going to do about it? <laughs> well, I... <laughs> oh, nice wiring, Bart. Worked on the test corpse. Okay, Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> Fellow 939ers, I say we break off and form our own city. Yes! Let's go! Viva la revolution! Now who's stupid? <laughs> now, I, I think I, I love... I love that joke for how shocking it is, uh, but I, I think like if you were shocked by the exposed organs, you should be more shocked by Homer not only willing to kill himself at the drop of a hat, but kill the entire town and his children. Yes, every person in there happily just doing it, and mad that it didn't work. Like when it didn't work, he isn't like trying oh, again and yes. again. Yeah. Oh uh, God, yeah. This... Yeah, it really, it really does go back to my my previous point. Draw a, a line under the satire of the show when it's just unmoored from these characters being appealing or sympathetic. And it's just about making fun of America and how we talk to each other and behave with each other. Homer Simpson today would be a Republican congressman from Montana. <laughs> there was someone on Twitter, I think they it was maybe a Missouri congressman or a Texas congressman or someone, who said... You know, they're stealing the election from Trump and we should succeed from the union, <laughs> which made me laugh so much because one, uh, you know, you're committing an act of treason and two, <laughs> you can't even spell it right. This is Homer Simpson to a T. This is Homer in this episode. And it's so funny that this aired 
around the 2000 election, which really was that dividing point between, you know, how politics had been before and now it's slobs versus snobs. (laughs) Our politics is slobs versus snobs and the Republicans see themselves as the slobs, the the heroic underdog idiot Mm. versus the snobby latte drinking liberal. It's uh, I think that the body slamming congressman just got like uh, I think he got elected to governor recently. Like the uh, <laughs> yeah, I believe you're right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where the, we are. Here we are. Uh, I I also like that Bart Bart was happy to tr- let Homer blow them all up, or maybe at least in, Ho- in Bart's idea, it would only explode Homer. But also, it shows that Bart somewhere did blow up that much dynamite elsewhere. And uh, the original line was test goat. Oh, so I'm, I'm happy that they just desecrated a body and didn't kill an innocent goat. <laughs> yeah, they... It's also funnier. I think the word corpse is just funnier than the word goat. Yeah, cu- it's got the cuss out. Corpse. Yeah, that's yeah, corpse. Uh, yeah. yeah, I was just thinking eight episodes earlier in Missionary Impossible, Homer tries to stab someone to death with a pen. This <laughs> is a, a marked increase of that joke. Uh, it is also funny that after trying to kill everyone, the slobs just go along with Homer. They're like, you know what? Yeah, we are going to leave. We're we're the new town with the guy who just tried to blow me up. <laughs> uh, and we also get to see the monocle couple last seen at the horse race in Saddlesore Galactica. He drops that monocle into his glass just again. Uh, and so in the next scene, the town is being established. And uh, Dave, uh, we as nerds will first have to ask you what football is. And then second, what's the deal with this Arizona Cardinals joke? The uh, Arizona Cardinals originally played in St. Louis and moved to Arizona in the 80s. And they were historically very bad. Mm. Nobody really cared about them in Arizona. Nobody really does now. Uh, So just the idea of picking kind of the saddest, least interesting football team. Mm. They're always you can always tell that there are sports fans in the Simpsons writers room. Mm-hmm. Because going back to um, the classic episode, You Only Move Twice, and Homer wants to buy the Dallas Cowboys, and instead he gets the Denver Broncos, which is he's so upset <laughs> that he ends up getting the Broncos. The Broncos famously lost, I believe, three or four Super Bowls mm-hmm. in, in the span of a decade or something before they finally won in um I think the early 2000s or late 90s. Yeah, I think they won not too long after the Simpsons made fun of them. I think I've I've heard people joke that like, oh, the Simpsons mocking the Denver Broncos was what finally pushed them over the edge to get that winning spirit. But the so wait, there was a time when St. Louis had a had a football and baseball team called the Cardinals. Correct. That's it. Still blows my mind, but that also is true of the city of New York. Hmm. Because the city of New York had a baseball team called the Giants, and they had a football team called the Giants, and the baseball Giants moved to San Francisco in the 50s, late 50s. And I always forget our team is a transfer team here at the... Uh... I don't know Ohio State Bird is the Cardinals, so I don't know what they're doing all the way out there. Yeah, they're still Missouri. Ain't no Cardinals in Missouri. <laughs> There's certainly no Cardinals in Arizona That's, either. Yeah, better yeah. point. <laughs> I think also the Cardinals Stadium is University of Phoenix Stadium, so they're another of those <laughs> terrible names. Yeah, uh, though, though, yes, as they point out on the commentary. They did win the Super Bowl in 2008, so they uh, it, their joke about the Cardinals was no longer true then. Yep. See, the Simpsons, if you if they mention your sports team for being terrible, then chances are they're going to win uh, not long after. Oh, yeah. In season two, they did the joke that the Braves were never going to win the World Series. That's right. And then, like within uh, four years, they did it. Yep. Uh, but yes, Homer decides he wants to be mayor. Presenting our new plaque. 
I say the time for bitterness has passed. Let us extend to our brothers in New Springfield the olive branch of... Oh, New Springfield rocks! <laughs> Go ahead and laugh. We have a better town bird. Oh, yeah? What is it? The bluebird. Damn it. <laughs> More wheat cakes, Mr. Mayor? Read my lips. Yes. Dad, you got syrup on your sash. No problem. If you ask me... Stop right there. It's stupid to divide the city over something as silly as an area code. It would be like you and Mom splitting up every time you have a fight. Dweezy, you know your mother and I only stay together for the sake of my political career. That's not true. Big grins. <laughs> That'll play great in the sticks. That's, uh, really, that's two cruel Homer jokes in a row. One, him shoving his hand in Lisa's face to shut her up from <laughs> being the annoying uh, liberal lady who has any opinions. And then just telling Marge to his face, like, oh, I'd divorce you right now if it wasn't for my political career. <laughs> and uh, I also, can you believe that this Joe guy is reaching across the aisle with his political mm. rival and he thinks he's going to get anything? That's silly old Joe. Diamond I, Joe Quimby. Yeah. Boy, does he know nothing. I do want to rewind real quick to the, the classic Rifleman parody yes, where sorry. Homer Simpson is the mayor. Yeah. So I, I, I sent you a clip there, Henry. I DM'd ah. it to you. So yeah, it's a it's a parody of... Uh, this had to be in John Swartzwelder's script, by the way. 100%. Because only he could write it. But it's a parody of the opening of the classic series The Rifleman, starring Chuck Connors. So <laughs> if you could play that up until the Chuck Connors thing, that'd be uh, delightful. Starring Chuck Connors. There you go. So yeah, he really just fires a gun a ton at nothing That's in that crazy. opening. It's the exact same thing. It's posed exactly the same as in the episode. I, I do have to say, you know, it, it's cool when Arnold Schwarzenegger does it as a Terminator. It's cool when he does it. A one-handed reload of a shotgun. It looks cool. I don't like guns, but it's uh, I, I have to admit it's a cool thing. Yeah, Homer is very cool. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Also, the den. Uh, the, it feels like presaging the uh, the season thirteen episode. He'll do uh, Schwarzenegger will write the lastest gun in the West with the Gunsmoke guy in it, who, who starred in a show about shooting hippies, mainly just That's driving right. down the street and shooting hippies. Isn't there a Gunsmoke gag in the episode that I did the last time I was on here, where they uh, they have like, oh no, a bonanza? It was a bonanza thing where that the at the fifties cafe they have someone from the from from the show Bonanza, who's appearing at oh. the 50s cafe in um, Take My Wife's Sleaze. Right. I think uh, the Dennis the Menace was there. I think I remember that. Okay. <laughs> then maybe I'm mixing up with another reference to an old 60s television show. Uh, the Homer They Fall, there's like the Bonanza Mall show. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's where the one. That's the one. Okay, yes. That <laughs> was the one. Mentioning all the people just... they wish could be there, but yeah. they're dead. <laughs> they're all dead. Yeah, that's it. Okay. And, and didn't Thank there you. there used to be three Native Americans? <laughs> oh, uh, right. Uh, uh, also, seeing the Rifleman parody, Rifleman parody, it uh, it also reminds me of the Bounty Law stuff from the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood movie, which is just shows that John Swartzwelder and uh, Quentin Tarantino both watched the same like eight thousand episodes <laughs> of black and white cowboy shows. 
Also, Homer is saying big grins. That's a reference to uh, on the 200th episode when they had you 2 directing them to sing uh the sound guy chris ledesma was telling him like big grins big grins when you sing and uh the bono it sounded like did not like being told <laughs> big grin while he was singing and he's been the music editor on the show from the first episode until now it's amazing yeah, yeah. he's on my list of like i'd really like to interview that guy but uh so far no answers on twitter yet maybe in the future but yeah i also and i do like that they're that mayor sash roll only has 50 mayor sashes on it that's pretty cool. time to reorder <laughs> they, they finally did more jokes with the mayor sash they thought they were all sashed out they did every sash joke they could do with quimby's uh sash but they found they found anyone with helper and uh then there's a little bit of of bart being bullied by uh, i guess his jimbo <laughs> and his friends are the rich kids i never thought of them as rich kids i mean rich bullies make sense for sure but... I, I do like the twist uh, about how they have to do his homework and dolph's like what does freedom mean to me that's great. <laughs> that's a great line to cut the scene on there there are a lot of not a lot, but there are a couple characters where, as we've talked about before, they don't seem like they belong on the side that they're on. For mm -hmm. instance, Sheriff, uh, not Sheriff, uh, what's his face? Oh, Wiggum? Oh, no, Chief Wiggum, yeah. sorry. <laughs> I totally blanked. Chief Wiggum is, is on the rich side. Mm -hmm. And I would think, based on his, his sort of attitude about the law and about work and those kinds of things, that he would be on the slob side. But I suppose Homer can't really pay him a salary. Yeah. So it wouldn't make a ton of sense for him to stay in New Springfield. I think that's why eventually, actually fairly quickly, everyone leaves Homer's side of town so they don't have to worry about that split anymore. Homer's yeah. mistake was not investing in, you know, a security force. Like there's a reason there's a reason you go with militias first and then everything has to follow in your new independent state. Also, it was I think this was the first time I feel like I've seen it in lots of other stuff, but I think it's the first time I've seen a joke about how frisbee is a copywritten phrase and you can't and shows don't want to say frisbee so they novelty flying disc to say novelty flying disc here is pretty great that's why it's miss brisby in secret of nim that's right not miss frisbee yeah. well then it cuts to marge shopping i it's it's a sad joke about apu now being hateful and bigoted <laughs> towards the people who have been othered that's it's it, it makes me feel bad seeing that i do like the the fake product placement for henderson's toilet paper yes <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dave. I did like I did like this joke. I know how it can maybe rub people the wrong way, considering where we are today in society, and of course the controversy around Apu as a character in general. But I do like the twist in 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 putting Apu in a situation where you <laughs> would think he would be sympathetic, but because this old Springfield versus New Springfield divide runs so deep mm. and is so arbitrary and ridiculous, he can't help but take a crap on on. <laughs> Marge and, yeah. and, and hate her it's very very funny to me because it does it does point out how absurd and uh, arbitrary our prejudices are well to be uh, fair the, the toilet paper is worth the money to the point where marge wants to use the bathroom immediately just to try it out uh, and he Apu and he's like, even, no you can't <laughs> not for you not marge for you. can't even wipe her ass in his store like yeah <laughs> uh, it makes me laugh it makes me laugh and I also like when Marge comes back, she's, her speech is good that Lisa's like, that Marge is starting to give into the prejudice as well. But I, I, it's such a great extra dramatic pause Marge has, as on, they were looking at me 
with their eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Just feeling very unsettled by that. And I didn't catch until this viewing that Bart did not put new, didn't put pants on again after losing his pants two scenes earlier. It's a funny establishing shot of just him in underwear in front of the TV. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, the department store is in Old Springfield. Oh, you can't get it. (laughs) He's only got the one pair. You guys know that. Uh, And uh, Homer is seeing that the media has turned on him too. I don't know why, but I just didn't feel comfortable until I was back here in New Springfield with my own kind. Mom. They were looking at me with their eyes. As expected, New Springfield's bold experiment in slob rule is a disaster. Hey, the TV man is talking about us. A study shows their crumbling economy is due to their lazy attitude and shoddy work. How the hell did they find that out? Scientists say they're also less attractive physically. And while we speak in a well-educated manner, they tend to use low-brow expressions like, Oh, yeah? And come here a minute. Oh, yeah? They think they're better than us, huh? Bart, come here a minute. You come here a minute. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, my friends That's and I cool. would do that whole routine with each other constantly. The come here a minute thing. I just uh, love how I love how perfectly low-brow come here a minute is. <laughs> it gets the job done. You say, come here, come here. It makes sense. Like I, I like that. I take that as a parody of how... Uh, say American news reports on any like official enemy of America that they're just like well we know that they're uglier and no less than us <laughs> like yeah also the the shot of Homer Lenny and Carl uh, sitting on the stoop that is posed like the cover to the Who album meaty beady big and bouncy mm, is uh, that's that's, suggestive <laughs> it's yeah. the name of the album I I'm just reporting it here <laughs> everybody knows that reference <laughs> It's a very uh, well-drawn parody. Like, it's funny even without knowing the cover. I love that Mo pose. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, uh, no, it's, I mean, it's a funny drawing, but it is like, uh, I think the animators honestly were more into Who references than the writers who got the Who to do the show. Like, I I guess I'll just say what my theory is here, that I, the, the Who's appearance in this, to me, feels very much like the Al, Gene, and Mike Reese era of season three and four, like, all the baseball players or everybody mm. in the crusty comeback special these you know funny but um glowing portrayals of a guest star and just like doing bending over backwards to have the character say like we love you you're great and the and the way that they do self-mockery that's up to a certain line and you don't go farther kind of thing it it feels and it definitely feels like how in many gene and reese episodes it's like well how do you end an episode well the big celebrity show shows up and then you're just so glow in in the glow of the celebrity you're not thinking about the ending yeah it's very reverent there's not really a lot of story ultimately with this episode homer's experiment just kind of peters out and then the the who uses the power of rock and roll to destroy the the wall it's so Mm. silly uh but i i think probably the best example of this really working and and being both kind of teasing the guest but being referential and then the ending not being a complete uh wet fart is new kids on the black mm. the NSYNC episode mm. uh, which which does use NSYNC well it is a full meaty story and you get the great reveal of, of what the song is and uh, of course that was written by my good friend Tim Long and uh, mm. Tim Tim has been a Simpsons writer forever and I think he really nailed that that episode oh, yeah wow. and I don't think the who was there to promote anything like their last album was 1982 before this their next one would be 2006 i don't know what they were doing they probably were playing i mean they're endlessly they're on, yeah. they're on tour they're on 
constantly, but it wasn't like, oh, the Who is having like a compilation out or there's like a new anniversary thing or anything. It's just like, well, the Who's always famous, so let's have them on. It's a it's a safe bet of a guest star, you know. Hey, <laughs> well, then in the next scene, Homer is going to get his revenge. He's going to turn off the power for half the town. Uh, it feels very of this era when Bart says, "I don't think we should do this," and Homer's like, "Yeah, okay, Marge." Like it's just <laughs> his anger towards Marge is this the nag who ruins all fun in the show. Well, that does feel like a Schwarzwalder line because oh, yeah. he hates Marge and Lisa. <laughs> really? Yeah, that again goes back to. Um take my wife's sleeves where you think Mar- they're going to hate Marge. The the bikers are, but then Marge teaches them how to be proper and mm. uh, kind of tweaks that, oh, I hate Marge. Marge is annoying kind of vibe that Schwarzwelder, as you said, is constantly putting into his episodes. At least in that case, they take Marge as a killjoy and put it in the good direction of, reha- of rehabilitating a bunch of uh, murdering bikers. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, her, her, her particular skills as an annoying presence is is very beneficial in that episode and uh crusty the lights go out while he's getting another heart bypass so they wonder if they cut open the same area as his, <laughs> uh, and his, his heart bypass scar they just have a zipper on there at this point <laughs> and uh, then comes another joke that's like insanely treehouse of horror to me which is that frank was going to successfully teleport and time travel sir isaac newton to him but it only teleports half of him and then he starts getting getting kicked by the legs which i'm like this is so uh-huh. wacky in a normal episode it's it's the matter transporter from fly versus fly you're right it's the same one yeah yeah wow that's uh and again works in treehouse very silly here and we were talking about it earlier onward ripped this off like this is the exact half that damn onward how <laughs> dare you not only were you the last movie ever <laughs> you also ripped off the simpsons <sighs> all right so in this next scene homer in response shuts off the water because he sees uh they did a tea party bit with the simpsons beer which like very different to tea party joke in the year 2000 than it would be eight years later yeah when you were saying tea party you just kept thinking of like 2010 yeah totally uh and now we just live like the tea i gotta say uh in the year at the end of the year 2000 the tea party feels like more normal now like that's hyper normalization for you i guess like uh that that they were they used to be like oh as far right as the tea party like uh i wish i wish Homer gets his revenge by set, shutting off the water with him and his friends. And this is another line I really like, too. Me, too. Oh, that's nothing like revenge for getting back at people. <laughs> I don't know. Vengeance is pretty good. Woohoo! Blood for water! They've got us now. Without water, we're doomed. Wait a minute. What's that gold colored substance in the riverbed? Why, that's gold. <laughs> we're slightly richer. <laughs> Get me some gold. You're richer. With the money made from the gold, old Springfield was able to buy the Evian water factory and fly it over here from France. Oh! Thanks, Mayor Simpson. Because of you, we're all taking golden showers. <laughs> we can't go on fighting with old Springfield. These people are our neighbors. We see them every day. You're right. We've got to block them from our sight with a giant wall. Like the one in Berlin? Good idea. We should call the guys they used. Homer. It's ringing. <laughs> <laughs> 
called, isn't it? Uh, Homer, just Homer. a cascading wave of jokes. It yeah. just keeps coming. Really, one of the best sequences. Nothing of this like episode. nothing Homer. like revenge for getting back at people. Yeah. That's a great one. And I, mean, like, uh, I don't know, vengeance is pretty good. Like, <laughs> uh, so. Good. And uh, I remember being on Alt TV Simpsons, the news group. People were reacting in horror to two episodes in a row. So the first episode was a Halloween one, of course. And there was like references to sugar walls and glory holes. And this one, <laughs> golden showers. Online, yeah. people were like, is the Simpsons getting too filthy? Mm. But we we just did an episode of South Park for our sister show, What a Cartoon, from this era. And we were like, wow, even this early in South Park, they were the filthiest show on TV. Yeah, there's no catching up for Simpsons to their filth level. Yeah. But the... Uh, I mean, getting away with a golden showers joke on The Simpsons at 8 o'clock, that was like an extra line. I mean, that was that also defines the year 2000, which is learning about sex act names and going like, oh, you know, donkey punch. Like, yeah, shut the fuck up. The like, roasted yeah. trombone. Uh, all, all the funny names, the funniest names. If you think I didn't laugh that joke boy are you wrong that is a great joke yes no i i like it in the especially that the clearly kent's writers made him say a thing yes. that he doesn't know he said i, I like, like that it. part of it yeah. yeah yeah isn't there snickering you can hear in the background yeah. probably their his producers so good <laughs> uh i and i also i love the statement of what's that gold colored substance (laughs) (laughs) there's a lemon behind that rock uh yeah it's actually the same joke Uh, yeah the and also i i do think about uh when rich people get more rich i think of burns as like we're slightly richer (laughs) they're as rich as nazis Uh, and another first time I noticed, like for ten frames, maybe half a second, you see old timey prospectors come in to get the gold oh, as well. You can hear them too, right? Yes, yeah, uh, it's just for like one shot. And uh, right around here is one of the first deleted scenes on the DVD. As he's reporting on them getting a golden shower, it <laughs> then cuts to them saying that uh, Kent talks about refugees leaving New Springfield to move into old springfield and it's ned rod and todd going like and they're just shaking like they're they're war orphans (laughs) and uh and yeah i i do also like the sometimes you know in a relationship when you're hearing the ringtone you just have to lie and be like it's ringing (laughs) i'm not wrong i do wonder i wonder why flanders stayed Mm. is flanders you know just too lazy to move to old springfield (laughs) uh you know i think it's just his christian duty he feels he has to stay next to bar uh homer and and do his best i I think that's it yeah maybe the church is is in new springfield who knows uh i you know and also this this turn on a border wall joke i have to think i'd I'd hate to know john swartzwelder's feelings on border walls (laughs) the importance well that's big government yeah i think so yeah big government baby he could be right about that (laughs) i don't know i as much as i met libertarians who complain about big government they sure do like it when it uh leaves alone white people (laughs) i don't know if if john Schwartzwelder is a trump person i i think that's probably unlikely i think he's a crank Mm -hmm. uh who doesn't like people bothering him but you know trump seems like the kind of nuisance uh, governmental nuisance that he would be bothered by yeah, yeah, I, I, I could, I could see that. I mean, also like I would, I could imagine John Swartzwelder hasn't voted in like forty years as, as well. That's another good bet. <laughs> uh, and yes, uh, there, and then there's another great line too. The in the deleted scene, this whole section here from like the Kent Brockman report to the presentation of the wall, it's like 
they cut out like every other joke because hmm. uh there's there's a bit of homer announcing how the wall has changed he says a lot of love went into this wall love for a hatred of old springfield <laughs> which i think is a really great joke yeah and, and also he says that the when carl says the roads are blocked and then homer corrects him he's like mm, blocked and mined <laughs> so <laughs> Homer has a lot of explosives in this. I think I think the reason that scene got cut, there is a small mistake with Mo like crying. There's mm. like a tear, and you know how much Matt Groening hates a bad tear. He so. burned that footage. <laughs> it, it is weird to see Fat Tony not even get like a grunt from him. Yeah, he did. Montaigne would do it too if you asked. If if Fat Tony stayed in in New Springfield, I mean, he'd basically be running the joint. Yeah, he's he's he would be running booze and and various illicit narcotics and things across the border I, that is an episode i want to see he's running this front this construction company front though yeah it seems <laughs> and, and uh, you gotta bring the i gotta bring the garbage trucks in and of course the garbage trucks are just filled with cocaine <laughs> maybe that's why a loud guitar chord destroys the wall because it was built as shoddily as their ramps for uh, the springfield school a few episodes earlier it's 90 percent recycled materials you can see like the angel i love in the background that angel as well. skeletons there and uh and I spotted the Olmec head too. You'll see that a little later in it. I that was great. I and I also love that Lisa Lisa is ambivalent about she doesn't know how to be approving of using recycled materials while Bart is not paying attention. <laughs> and uh and Homer makes the mistake of being too honest with his constituents and telling them, You will definitely starve to death and we are doomed. The, the sewage nightmare. Yes. <laughs> Which he calls it. Uh which you know what we talk about this as well the 200th episode is kind of the same thing of homer gets political power and then the town all turns on him and he destroys the town it is true yeah and there's a lot of garbage involved too. yeah i guess this is less garbage less filth more chloroform less garbage water in this one at this point in the episode i'm kind of thinking like this easily could have been the simpsons movie mm-hmm. yeah it is a you big know. a big idea for a 22 minute episode yeah that, and that's why I was like, my mind immediately goes to all of the other things that could have happened in, in this scenario, mm-hmm. like Fat Tony running uh, drugs across the border. This would have been exactly the kind of thing that would work similar to putting a dome over Springfield, where mm-hmm. it's a big, you could have big set pieces and stuff but it's really just about homer and homer's hubris and then him kind of fixing it he doesn't fix anything at the end of this episode (laughs) he doesn't learn anything but you can see the version of this story where he does learn something and he does become a better person and things do calm down because he's able to have an epiphany about how much of an idiot he is yeah the the who does take away the ability to have a third act in this one yeah i I totally agree like this would be like i i've come to terms with my hatred of the movie i don't think it's (laughs) awful but every time i think about it i think of all the missed opportunities and keeping the story in springfield was a huge missed opportunity they just fled the town i know you got to do that in a movie to you know do something new but man like it should have been more about the town yeah and they cut out scenes in the movie that had more of the town in it i mean they cut out so yeah. much of that movie yeah. that movie was like eight different movies before it was made <laughs> i i agree that 
the movie as it is is maybe a little bit disappointing. I like it. I think it's kind of heartwarming and 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 makes you feel good at the end. Um, that it really does reconnect with the ideas of Homer being a bad father who wants to be a good father versus. Mm the kind of anarchic attitude that the Simpsons took on later. Uh, that said, yeah, I think if they had just stayed in the town and it had been a story about a civil war, essentially, between uh, one side of the town and the other, you could have seen all the characters and there would have been more for everybody to do. And it would have felt more like a Simpsons episode. And there are not, I don't think, that many episodes of The Simpsons, despite the fact that there's now been almost 800 episodes of The Simpsons <laughs> over uh, 30 years. There aren't that many that you can say... You know, if they had given that an extra hour, that would have been a movie. Yeah. But this one, in my opinion, is absolutely clear in its potential as a feature film. One, and we've said it before, but the, the film gets 10% better if you just replace the president with McBain mm -hmm. and Russ Cargill with uh, with Hank Scorpio. It's the, the every line would be the same. They would just be characters you recognize, but they, they, they're definitely, we're going into the films. Uh, the overall idea was this can't alienate a person who's never watched the Simpsons, which I'm just like, it's true. Those people who yeah. is that person. Who yeah. is that person out there? Who's never seen the Simpsons. That said, I, I, I don't think that part that never bothered me. Of like, <laughs> I mean, I guess the, the McBain Rainier Wolf Castle bothered me a little bit, mm. but the Russ Cargill versus Hank Scorpio thing didn't bother me one bit. Yeah. Check out our episode of Michael and us. We talk all about the movie oh, yeah, from yeah. a few months ago or maybe six months ago. Who knows? I forget. <laughs> uh, so, Everyone abandons Homer, even a tumbleweed goes over, and the badger, you can spot the badger going over. Uh, after everybody abandons Homer, it's um, uh, it's time for a new plan. That's when they realize the Who is in town, uh, but on the other side of town. So they head over to uh, to show how often they were do using chloroform in the show. They go to a <laughs> store called Just Chloroform. This is the joke that makes me laugh harder than anything in this uh -huh. episode. Just the visual gag. I I had to pause the episode. I was laughing so much. <laughs> I I also love the very Schwarzwalder gag of Homer punching a window to steal food. Very cartoony sausage links. <laughs> yes. And then Lisa telling, uh, telling him you're bleeding. He's like, no problem. Punches another window, gets bandages, doesn't stop his stride. Like that. That's very funny. Writers are really getting into chloroform, leading to a bad joke at the end of this episode, I would say. But first, uh, they break into a very fancy and very British hotel. Uh, uh, with the hubba hubba bellhop outside. Oh, that is that guy. Wow. I think it's just like the bellhop design they had on file so they yeah, used I, lo to... I love that guy though that is that is a, a great uh character to bring back hubba hubba well you know at this point they can just go like why are we drawing a new bellhop we made a great bellhop five years ago let's just put him in here or no seven years before this episode uh but yes homer and bart they have bart and homer go on a lot of adventures this episode it's a real homer and bart adventure episode uh but in this case the chloroform fails them can i help you uh... Dad, the chloroform. Huh? All right. I'll give you this bottle of chloroform if you'll take us to the Who. No. Oh, so you want to see the Who, huh? Well, I'll take you to the Who. Here's your Who. <laughs> I thought we fired that guard. Oh, yeah, right. I got fired by the Who. Whatever you say, pal. Wacko. 
That's very Hank Azaria, like, a weku. I'm like. not saying they ripped it off, but it does remind me of that Kids in the Hall sketch of the guy who uh, just talks like he's sarcastic, but he's not actually sarcastic. Oh, yeah. You're right. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> It's just uh, a great sketch, is what uh, I'm saying. That is a great sketch. I'll give, I'll give you this bottle of chloroform if you take me to the who. So, so makes me laugh. That's great. He's using the chloroform. I do as... love this episode. I love this episode. Yeah. It was a bartering tool, not like actual use of chloroform was involved in this plan. <laughs> I know. Uh, yep. And also the great gag that Homer kissing the bottle knocked him out right before this, too. Uh, so, yes, here we are. It's the who. Yes. Yeah, The it's uh, Pete Townsend, though not Pete Townsend, Roger Daltrey, and Kent, uh, and John Entwessel. Yes, and uh, they give away the secret of this episode. So, in the credits, it just says the who, because mm-hmm. I think they're covering up the fact that uh, Pete Townsend was not on the vocal track for this episode. Uh, the writers tell one story, and then Roger Daltrey tells the truth. The writers tell the story that Pete Townsend thought he was signing off on having an impersonator do his voice like in like Beatles Yellow Submarine movie or the Beatles cartoon. What really happened was Pete initially agreed to it or he initially said he would do it. But when the time came and Roger Daltrey was trying to get him to come with him, he was just like, you know what? I'm not going to do it. (laughs) So he was just being a dick rock star. Yeah. And that's the story that Roger Daltrey tells in the commentary. But uh, his his story, Roger Daltrey, is like he was more impressed of meeting Dan Castellaneta than Dan was of meeting the Who. It that's was like they funny. were both starstruck at the same time. Oh, uh, that's because uh, they because they flew to England. Mike Scully and Dan Castellaneta flew to England to record with the Who. And so since Pete Townsend, yeah, it's also funny. They said that Daltrey was actually really like punctual and good. Like he showed up early. And they also told a joke that he warned them that John Entwistle it was the uh, palest man in the world. Yeah, and uh, he would die two two years later. Yes, yeah, because I mean, he had heart condition and he still did coke and yeah. smoked twenty cigarettes a day apparently yep yeah hey a rock star to the end if you just smoked 19 a day he'd still be here with us folks what? so remember moderate your smoking maybe also he was that bad because he's he was in the same band as keith moon and he's like uh, well i'm not as bad as keith moon. it's like homer with barney as an alcoholic he's like well hey look i'm not as bad as keith moon so, so blame pete townsend for having his uh, brother paul come yes. in to uh, dub his voice and there's one line where dan castellaneta does uh pete townsend's voice it's when uh they're talking about radio shack and he goes says yes. you that's yeah. dan castellaneta i i do have that clip uh, so to, uh, try to uh, you can easily tell it's him when you know though i never noticed until they said in the commentary i was like oh yeah that's obviously dan but yeah they they paid paul townsend a thousand dollars to to do it maybe pete was too busy visiting certain websites hey now i looked <laughs> into that and and uh, he got set up. I, oh, I, it was, I think so. It was a setup. Uh, look, okay. I, I, I don't want to get into that. I, yeah. I think I believe Pete Townsend has been exonerated on that thing. I do, but uh, <laughs> Google it if you want to know. Yes. It's too, it's too much. Okay, but, uh, but yeah, the the Simpsons, Bart and Homer start destroying the hotel room because famously Keith Moon was one of like the most thra- trashing of hotel room rock stars there ever was, including one in 1968 that sent him to the hospital. Inclu- like he's, uh, I sometimes, I you know, as a kid, I thought those trashing hotel room stories sounded fun, and now I just think like, well, who's cleaning that up? You know, like I, I feel, I feel bad for the poor people who have to clean up after these rock stars. I agree. You know, they should, they should make uh, nearly as much as those people. I think that the people who clean hotel rooms should make at least a million dollars a year, if not more than that. 
they're the real rock stars, man. Those those people are heroes. Uh, This episode just completely falls apart at this point. Mm. Can I say that? Can I just be very (laughs) blunt and say that the episode completely unravels as soon as the Who show up? Oh, yeah. It becomes the Who-focused show where they solve all the problems through rock and roll magic. Yeah. Well, it it, it, it becomes like the... The SNL sketch where it's like, and now our musical guest is in the scene and we just talk to them. And it's like, I I think the digital shorts could at least do better stuff with the uh, guest star of like, hey, you can sing part of this song, right? Nicki Minaj or uh, who, someone else I can't think of. I do like the jokes about the who being like regular guys, like they don't want to lose their pool privileges. And also the walk will do us good. <laughs> That's cute. Yeah. Uh, but yes, why, why don't we hear a little bit of the who as they uh, completely take over this episode and just make it about them. I'm Homer Simpson. The mayor of New Springfield? That's right. The crazy mayor of New Springfield? That's right. And I implore you to move your concert to our town. Don't play Old Springfield. Or, as it is sometimes known, Sun City. But we have a handshake agreement with a concert promoter. And that's a sacred bond. Sacred Sacred bond. bond. Come on. What happened to the angry, defiant who of my generation won't get fooled again and Mama's got a squeeze box? We know our songs, Homer. But those old Springfield squares are just going to make you cut your hair, turn down your music, and wear frilly shirts like Keith Partridge. Keith Partridge? Who huddle? (laughs) (laughs) We'll do it. Yeah! Just send a cap for us. What, something wrong with your legs? You're right. The walk will do us good. And I didn't realize until this viewing, but that Sun City joke Uh, is a joke about apartheid. Yes, it is. Yeah. I only know it because it was a song and I watched like uh, VH1 behind the music on the writing of the song. But it was so, uh, yes, in the uh, up to the 80s. There was a big resort and casino in South Africa called Sun City that many famous people played, like, say, Frank Sinatra or even Elton John uh, and the Beach Boys. But it, uh, you know, South Africa uh, was a country of apartheid and a disgusting racist system, awful stuff. And a many musicians, but including Stephen Van Zandt, they refused to play Sun City. Stephen Van Zandt wrote a song called Sun City about not playing playing it and using his celebrity to shame other celebrities to not play it and not play in an apartheid uh, state and that actually was part of many boycotts of South Africa that I think did have some political effect on it but uh, so when Homer says Sun City he is lying that Sp- old Springfield is an apartheid government <laughs> but yeah so they do a who huddle they head off we cut to the uh, the show. Krusty is telling his one old story about Woodstock, which I think is very much a lie. Didn't happen. Uh, and a very weird joke about the creases on Burns' legs there. That's... It's, it's, and he's happy that they're there. Just like, excellent. You're just feeling them. It's a good sound effect on feeling the crease in a bony leg. Yes. Someone had to find that. Uh, and that's where we get the very sexy Ed Nick Rabopel. 
Now we now we I think we said the Austin Powers up front. To me, he looks like Prince, mm. but they're very similar costumes. Yeah, they, I guess. All right. Look, let's not split hairs here, okay? <laughs> he looks how he looks, and it doesn't matter what the reference is. It's absurd. <laughs> I, why is he dressed like that? I guess that Austin Powers look comes from the same era as the Who's biggest time, like in the late '60s. Oh, no, I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand why, of all people, the straight-laced conservative. Principal Skinner is now wearing this frilly purple outfit. I think Edna talked him into it. Had to be. Okay, I, yeah, yeah, I guess. I, I think it's She's part like, of a We role can't play. look like squares at the concert. <laughs> I, I think it's part of a role play that will play off into the night for, for Skinner and Edna. Uh-huh. That's uh, <laughs> into the night with Skinner and Edna Krabappel is a spinoff that we never got. <laughs> uh, so, but the who are late... They can then hear off in the distance playing one of the two Who songs you hear in the episode, The Seeker, which I think is actually a pretty good song. I like that song a lot. But uh, they didn't find in <laughs> in, uh, in a very sweaty line. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mo says that fat, dumb and bald guy sure plays some real hardball a parody of the Tommy song that deaf, dumb and blind kid sure plays a mean hardball. It's, pinball uh, pinball yeah pinball yes. yeah uh, pinball with a man there's yeah that is a real a real journey to get to that being a joke uh i feel like they just want to pat on the back and they're like we made it work right <laughs> we made it it was needlessly complicated yeah. and distracting but i like it <laughs> Uh, and I also really feel for the animators on this that once they realize the who aren't there, everybody storms out. So it's just huge crowds. They've had huge crowds this entire... The the, the end of Act 1 is half of the auditorium leaves. Like, Jesus. Uh, and now this... Yeah, so many people... Is this the point where um, Lionel Hutz shows up? Oh uh, no, that was Lee. That was the end of Act Two when they were climbing over the. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Got it, got it. But yeah, so so many crowd shots, and this is just. I mean, at this point, I think the animators are just used to it. Like, well, yeah, every second or third episode has five mob scenes in it. And this was a held over episode, so there's more time, presumably, to work mm. on these big crowd scenes. But uh, Marge gets horribly abused. Oh, yes. And yeah. then uh, she gets cursed at in a deleted scene. Or an yeah. outtake, rather. Yes. So I couldn't believe that Marge gets smacked in the face and is then uh, barely conscious when she gets pulled up. The, uh, in, in, the, the, in, the fil- in the regular version, it seems to be an accident. The animation of Bart and Lisa like helping her is very funny. <laughs> yes, yeah, but, but yes, Roger Daltrey gave them a different line read that I am shocked is on the DVD. But uh, here's the clip. How you doing out there, New Springfield? <laughs> To be honest, it's a little chilly. Ow! Shut the fuck up, Marge. <laughs> well, there Boom. you have it. Man, hearing that on an official Simpsons DVD, even though it was hidden in the, the on the DVD, to hear shut the fuck up, Marge, put on the DVD, I can't. Disney would never, ever let that happen. Yeah, I, I am shocked that it's, people are so mean to Marge through this whole episode. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a real anti-Marge episode. And of course, the, the, the coup de gras is the final scene. 
Yeah, I mean, so look, the the year 2000 isn't famous for the feminist jokes on television. Like this is this is the same year as the Man Show, I do believe. Hmm. So it's uh, it's not it's not the best time for comedy, <laughs> um, for at least of a, of a feminist style. I do like the gag that Homer is telling them to sing songs that aren't their songs, including the novelty garbage like to hear roger daltrey say pac-man fever is funny to me i bet they look down on buckner and garcia (laughs) i also like that homer puts on a mop wig as well and then dances around and saying look lisa daddy's in the who (laughs) yes as homer is trying to celebrate with the who the mob shows up they have a rent-a-pult that they are using to uh shoot flaming garbage at homer that's a great name for a uh, rental catapult company yeah very good and it's it's just a little visual gag it, it goes by so fast you gotta look for it. it's one of it's it is more in the classic simpson style of like a joke packed into every frame kind of stuff but uh yes they as the who hears what the problem is they instantly have a solution Uncle, please. Mm. What's all this fighting about? Apparently, they have two different area codes. Well, I'll be chuggered. That's the sticky wicket. Why not just buy telephones with auto ringer? Or as you Yanks call it, speed dial. Radio Shack has some great ones. Says you. Magic bus! Yeah, Yeah, magic magic bus! bus. Okay, we'll play magic bus if you tear down this wall. Pinball wizard! Oh, hell, I'll do it myself. You know, Roger Daltrey is right. Now that all dialing is speed dialing, we don't have to worry about these area codes. Like, I don't actually know anyone's number. (laughs) I know the name of a person. I touch their name and my phone calls them. (laughs) Yeah, this is an anachronistic episode. Or not, uh, you know, it's it's an episode that uh, does not translate well to modern times. If you are 13 and you watch this, and you're like, who cares what my area code is? (laughs) No one gives a shit anymore. I'm, uh, I'm still very invested in the 510 area code, and I will not let it go. I love my I, 510 area code. I think it's awesome that not only did the Who and and various Western rock and roll bands bring down the Berlin Wall with their <laughs> cultural expansion, they were able to destroy the wall that separated New and Old Springfield in this episode, too. Yeah. Makes you think, doesn't it? It was uh, really David Hasselhoff yeah. that brought down the Berlin Wall. Touche. And Touché. Alf. Alf as uh, well. Alf did, yes. Yeah, but like, uh, you can tell the animators really did enjoy drawing a big Pete Townsend windmill oh, guitar yeah. strum. That, that was fun. It's they. I will say they basically just do the turn it to 11 joke, but they turn it into whoa-oh, but... Say same deal, but uh, <laughs> and I and I do like the Roger Daltrey having to say I'll be chuggered. What so that's the sticky, sticky wicket, wicket. Yeah, <laughs> that's cute. But though the British listeners tell me is auto dial what uh, or auto ringer what you guys call speed dial is that is that the phrase for it? He said all tone ring up or something like that. Uh, okay, <laughs> and I do like the zoom in on Daltrey scream though. It feels cheap to me that it's like. Oh, this isn't like a new recording. This is them from like four, 30 years before this episode aired. You're playing this. Sorry, you called it Auto Ring Up. Ah, Auto Ring Up. Got it. The song is just the recording, right? They didn't yeah. re-record the song for the episode. Yeah, yeah. lazy, <laughs> lazy, Well, I mean, lazy, they, they are drawn like they are from 1976. Just play the song from 1976. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, why uh, not? Also, they request Magic Bus, and then they play Won't Get Fooled Again. Uh, like, they didn't even do what they said they'd do. 
but well they also uh homer also asked for a pinball wizard they didn't get that either what yeah. the heck me me just doesn't care they don't care about springfield they're just there to collect the paycheck me not knowing about the who i thought magic bus was like a pac-man fever song i'm like magic bus that sounds stupid oh it is a who song okay <laughs> like the magic school bus cartoon that's what i thought so much <laughs> Uh, but uh, yes, it's time for a happy ending that does involve spousal abuse in this uh, last clip. Well, Marge, looks like your insane experiment is over. My experiment? You're the one who came up with this whole idea. Hmm. I love the line, though. Your insane experiment is over. Yes, yeah, that but I do like that. But I yeah. will say, two production episodes ago, Marge was tranked at the end of an episode because oh. she wanted to make Homer do uh, like housework, scrubbing and mopping. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're right. Homer blew a dart gun into her, which I guess which is more violent him putting chloroform to her face to knock her out, or hitting her with a blow dart to knock mm. her out. I guess the blow dart because it's a projectile and it could hit a an artery or something. Or eye too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or it could get infected. I don't know. I think the chloroform is more intimate. Yeah, I mean, I did feel extra grossed out by it now of seeing him like dancing with Marge's unconscious body. That feels worse to uh-huh. me now too. Like it. One and we heard like on the record when we had on Dana Gould for uh, an interview, J- James L. Brooks did not like that joke at all, and I think he uh, was was busy working on maybe the Spanglish script, but he could not he he let this get through, and he was not happy. This about is it. this is one of those uh, Matt Groening is on Futurama right now moments totally. where just like he would not yes. let Homer knock Marge out as a finale, but he's on the commentary; he doesn't say anything. That's true. Yeah, I guess he's, he's not going to sell out his writers. I, I think that's that's noble that he's not going to be like, I thought you guys really screwed up when you did that. Like, just, yeah, it's 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 water under the bridge. It's it's there now. It did remind me because I'm also rewatching Twin Peaks right now. And it reminds me of the episode where Leland Palmer uh, murders Madeline Ferguson. Uh, Laura Palmer's cousin and he's dancing with her after he's knocked her out with like a headbutt mm. and uh, it's just very creepy in the same way that this is uh, incredibly yeah. creepy yeah it is the, very similar <laughs> there so macarena doesn't say anything on the commentary but there is a great moment on the commentary where the episode ends with the badgers attacking the town mm. and this like really great animation of badgers just swarming over a hill and mike scully showrunner is like uh george talking to george meyer george where did this idea come from george meyer's response is desperation <laughs> and they admit like it's a bad ending uh, you know it's it is at least the they were doing a lot of that in season 11 too of just like hey you forgot about the opening joke but it's come back with a vengeance for the last scene of the episode but i think it also overstays its welcome because they wanted to have it last as long as the guitar solo yeah. lasts. so they play the badgers running twice they they kind of loop it i just love in the scully era of commentaries the whole like you try writing an ending kind yes, of uh, yeah. jokes they will <laughs> often of do defensiveness yeah <laughs> yeah it's sort of like the end of an snl sketch sometimes they just don't know how to put a button on it and so it just kind of 
turns into a non sequitur or a reference to something that happened earlier. And that's fine. I mean, it's a Simpsons. This is an absurd episode mm. that doesn't really have any kind of emotional uh, resonance uh, whatsoever. It's just a fun romp. And those are sometimes my favorite Simpsons episodes. I know everybody loves the the ones where there's, there's some emotion to them. Um, but I mean, I just love when it gets silly like this. Yeah, and we pointed out just so many like quotable lines and so many just fun gags, even though the story doesn't really hold up. It's just like very, very punchy, and I like that. I, I think the first two acts are full of great, great Schwarzwelder lines that are just like, oh, that's an amazing, that's an amazing line. How big a monkey, like all that kind of stuff. Like it's, there, there's tons of quotable stuff in it. The, the Who thing, if you're not a like a hardcore Who fan, you probably just go like, eh, that's nice. Like, and also it's just... Uh, I think that this is a time in The Simpsons, but I think it's always been this way, but I do think it's a time in The Simpsons where uh, they are very into guest stars that kind of just take over the episode, which I, uh, but yeah, I think as a 250th landmark episode, it's kind of a wild one, but uh, I guess it does. I mean, who's the bigger band, The Who or U2? Like, mm. I, I guess in the year 2000, U2 was. Yeah, but, uh, definitely U2. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just think that, again, this episode had so much promise and is, for the first two acts, so funny, but also such a great commentary on things uh, and so satirical that it's just it's kind of a missed opportunity because it doesn't really give you any any take home or any any resolution that feels satisfying. The the, the, the who stuff and the, the raccoons coming back, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But it's it, it, it is such a, a disappointment after the first two acts are so funny and so clever and are filled with so much possibility. This really could have been and probably should have been the movie. Yeah, the I I guess the movie basic it, it follows a similar uh, trajectory as this one, but yeah, it, the the splitting the town is and putting a wall in between it is uh, slightly less silly than the uh, the the bubbling. Yeah, the idea just feels like it is not explored well enough for mm. being such a big idea for a TV episode for mm. sure. Yeah, the the bubble in the in the movie is it doesn't really have anything to say about the premise of the show. Mm. Like, you know, when you're doing the Simpsons movie, you really only got one crack at it because the only novelty there is the first time doing a movie. This is the first Simpsons movie. And then if there was, there's ever going to be a sequel, people will probably be like, well, why? <laughs> What's the point? There's been 700 episodes or 800 episodes of this show. Why do we need another movie? But the first one was such a novelty. You really had to like find a thing, a story point and a plot element that would encapsulate 20, 25 years or however long it's been that the Simpsons has been on the air. Mm. And the idea of cutting the town in half and dividing the town by class is such a, a pure distillation of what the simpsons is which is a a microcosm of america mm -hmm. and our society and you know our values and what we think is funny or interesting that's that idea of splitting it up is just so potent to me and i feel like it's such a bummer that 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 wasn't what they ended up doing. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we'll get to the movie in maybe five or six years in our timeline. <laughs> so we'll definitely bring this up then. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. Hopefully I'll still be uh, available to do the <laughs> podcast in five or six years. Uh, but, but thank you so much for coming on this week, yeah. Dave Schilling. 
Of course, yeah. This is another one that I was really glad to revisit uh, similarly to take my wife's sleaze. Uh, I am fully pro Schwarzwelder, and I will go to my grave supporting <laughs> his work on The Simpsons. Except for the joke where you see Homer's insides. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and, and him chloroforming Marge. <laughs> Aside from that, yes. Uh, oh, in, in the motorcycle episode, the implied uh, sexual assault. Other than that, it's uh, pretty. It's pretty great. Uh, but where can we find you online, Dave, and your podcast as well? I am at Dave underscore Schilling on Twitter. You can find my podcast Full Court Chat on iTunes or not iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Similarly to my new podcast, uh, it's called Must Watch colon the mandalorian not the word colon an actual colon <laughs> must watch colon the mandalorian and we drop every friday uh with a recap very quick 30 minute uh whiz bang recap of the mandalorian that i think will teach you a little bit something about star wars if you are looking for a deeper dive into the themes and references in that show awesome man well thank you so much dave mm -hmm. Thank you, guys. May the force be with you. Uh, <laughs> Live long and prosper. By Grabthar's hammer, what a savings. <laughs> so thanks again to Dave Schilling for being on the show. Check out all of his stuff. And as for us, if you want to check out more of our stuff and get all these episodes one week ahead of time and ad-free along with a bunch of other stuff, please go to patreon.com slash talking simpsons and sign up there at the $5 level. At that level, you will, of course, get the advanced episodes and also access to everything behind the $5 paywall. That is everything that we have made behind that paywall for nearly four years. It'll be immediately available to you the second you sign up. That includes all of our limited miniseries. The most recent one was Talking Futurama Season 2 Part 2. That was nine new episodes of Talking Futurama, and there will be another miniseries coming at you in the spring and fall of 2021, so look forward to those. Mm -hmm. And we also at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons have a $10 level. If you sign up for that you get all the five dollar stuff of course but also access to one mega long podcast once a month only for patrons of that level or higher bob is talking about the what a cartoon movie podcast now you may know that we have a sister podcast that we also do weekly called what a cartoon we cover an animated series each week on that but each month we do an extended version of that podcast where we have a talking simpson style chat about a different animated feature film each month and boy do we go deep into those films like the end of Evangelion, Wallace and Gromit, Curse of the Were-Rabbit, Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island, just to name some of our most recent ones. Over two years of podcasts will be available to you of the What a Cartoon movie. 120 hours, I'd say, by now. If you are a $10 and up subscriber at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons, who gets that? In addition to all of the $5 stuff Bob just mentioned as well. So please consider signing up at the premium level at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. As for me, I have been one of your hosts, Bob Mackey. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. And my other podcast, of course, is Retronauts. That's a classic gaming podcast about old video games. You can find that wherever you find podcasts or go to patreon.com slash retronauts. Sign up there for two bonus episodes every month. Henry, what about you? You can follow me, Henry Gilbert, on Twitter at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. Anytime I'm tweeting about stuff, you know it's a good time I'm having on Twitter. Uh, but you should also on Twitter follow the official podcast account at Talk Simpsons Pod. 
at Talk Simpsons Pod. We'll keep you up to date when there are new episodes of the Talking Simpsons Podcast, the What a Cartoon Podcast, miniseries like Talking Futurama, and all of the other cool side stuff we do. You are up to date with it if you follow at Talk Simpsons Pod on Twitter. So please, please do that if you have not already. Thank you so much for joining us, folks. We'll see you next time for Season 2's Treehouse of Horror 1, and we'll see you then. It's all backed up due to a mattress on the freeway. A mattress? Uh Uh-oh, Joan Collins must be in town. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, (laughs) P.A. Joan Collins? That girl sleeps with everybody.